0: still useful whereas up on top relatively it's, it's not so important there's no
1: heat really lost out there because mm. it's bone and it's thick and you know used for button, especially <laughs> in my case <laughs> no that makes so much sense
0: welcome to the fat emperor podcast i'm your host Ivor cummins We're supported by the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity, which advocates a simple CT scan to reveal your CAC score. So know your score and take action to prevent that premature heart attack. Everything you need to know will be right here. Hey, everyone, welcome to another free podcast. We keep these podcasts free for you guys by being funded by the Irish Heart Disease Awareness. So a quick favor to ask you if you could put this video on pause for just a moment and go to IHDA.ie that's IHDA.ie and have a look at the homepage and scroll down to the share buttons and help us get the message out on the calcification scan and its ability to save the lives of many middle risk people who have no awareness that they've got major heart disease going on inside their body so if you can do that for us we'll keep the podcast free today i'm in studio in dublin ireland with none other than keen foley who has written the book don't eat for winter which is very good advice and recently keen you were on
1: um, brian lensky md and tro yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah it was really interesting conversation but unfortunately the the sound quality wasn't excellent you know what it should be a lot better today maybe <laughs> oh, I think it will
0: be. Yeah. Well, well, We'll see how we do, but I think in Ireland we'd probably call the sound of ball of shite,
1: maybe, might yeah. be fair. Yeah, 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 I've written some slang books, so like, ball of shite would be a pretty <laughs> good description. <laughs> sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> ah, no, don't worry about them. And just to
0: throw, and Brian, you know, in fairness, do a great job, fantastic podcast. It's just, I think, the internet connection. Yeah, it was yeah. just an upload problem, I think, that was all. Ah, yeah, very good. Actually, I'll just put that down a bit. So don't eat for winter is such fantastic advice and it it compiles together so much and you know what i love is you've got nutritional science you've got biochemical science but what they often skip is evolutionary science you know where we came from and what that tells us and maybe it's best to start with this concept don't eat for winter and what it
1: really means yeah i suppose the main thing that it's about is avoiding the foods that occur in autumn time. Um, so if you look at what happens in nature, um, in summer into autumn time, carbs become abundant. Um, if you look at what's, what's there in March, you can't get an apple off tree in March, you know, if you're out in nature. So basically what I did when I was looking at this concept first was I put into, the, I put into a spreadsheet all of the foods by their glycemic index and put them into a the spreadsheet and then totaled it up and had a look and see what was there. And I found there's a massive spike in carbohydrates in September and October. So if these foods exist in at that time of the year, and combined with fats, you know, fats also um, start coming up at that time of year as well, that they must be causing some uh, biological kind of a process. And for me it was, you know, I was looking on my diet and I was eating things like oats and peanut butter for training purposes, you know, and um, I had been doing the paleolithic kind of a diet um, for a good few years, had lost a lot of weight, I was up at 18 and a half stone and got down to about 14 stone with that, and I was doing a lot of kettlebells, I was training really hard um, but it was like, it was, I, I looked at um, the way animals work in the animal kingdom if you look at a squirrel for example, they put on 12% if they're a red squirrel, maybe 25% if they're a grey squirrel and uh, no matter how much they scurry around collecting nuts and acorns and whatever they, they go around collecting they can't outrun uh, autumn, you know. So how could we be expected to outrun the diet that we're exposed to today where everything essentially is an autumnal combination. So if you look at, if you go into any supermarket, any petrol station, um, any shop, you literally have to run the gauntlet through a, a corridor of uh, sweets and biscuits and pastries and all these different things, and the combination that's in those uh, foods is a specific formula of carbs to fats to proteins that almost exactly match what occurs in nature in autumn time. If you look at some of the signature foods of autumn itself, such as the acorn, you know, and I kind of went that a lot um, in the, the the book and the website and so on, but um. There's only one other food in nature that matches the signature of an acorn almost identically. One natural food, and that's human breast milk, right? And so I think that we're programmed from birth to seek out this formula, and it only occurs in nature in the autumn time. And so what I what I kind of equated to is like that the earth itself becomes almost like a, a lactating uh, mother in autumn feeding its creatures so that they can survive a really bleak period of of nature which is the winter time where carrots start to decay you know you've got a few root veg left by the time december comes along and then in the spring they're gone all all together so um, really what it's about then is avoiding that combination because if you look at the standard western diet it's literally every meal and snack that we have breakfast time is you know your you know, your cereals with milk and um, maybe some nuts as well. Um, you're looking at lunchtime, then you are having paninis with mayonnaise and, and your little bit of meat in it. Uh, Dinner time, then might be fries, might be uh, spaghetti, bolognese. again, carbs and fat combinations, and then all the snacks in between them as well. So, your cookies with your tea, and um, you know, the, sh- the sweet sugary drinks, then added in on top of it. And the list kind of goes on and on and on. So, we're eating like six times, eight times a day. These autumnal combinations, so we're never giving our bodies a chance, we're basically eating for this winter that doesn't um, ever materialize. So I put it like we're living in this infinite autumn, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And I used to say years ago, winter never comes, and that's the problem yes. because even if we ate this junk food for a couple of months a year, which wouldn't be a good idea, obviously, but if we ate this junk food, At least after a couple of months, we'd have 10 months, let's say, of no junk food, eating meat, fish, eggs and real food. And in that case, you'd get away
1: with it. Probably would, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, our problem is that we're eating hyper-processed versions of this, so it's like an uber-autumn on steroids, essentially. And so we'll just never give our bodies a chance, you know. And we're not just eating for one winter, you know, by the time we're 20 years of age, we have eaten for 80 winters, you know. And that's kind of how I look at it, you know. So it was only when I stopped eating like that. Did the weight come off in a a dramatic kind of a way, and did it take the you know the form that I probably should have since I'm a teenager? Like I I was a a very fit young man. I was in school. I was nicknamed Chubby. I was a fat child, and I I kind of moved into teenage years. And in order to lose weight in my teenage years, uh, obviously the hormones were kicking in and all that stuff. But um, it took severe low-fat type diet uh, that was totally restrictive and um, misery, essentially, to lose the, the weight at that stage. And it never fully went off, and it was always soft, and I never built the, the muscle that I could have built had I been living the other way, which is more protein, you know, more fats in the diet, healthy fats, that kind of stuff. And so it's really, it was really when I started looking at the paleolithic diet, that um, I was, it kind of turned everything on its head. I, I originally was brought up thinking low fat is the way to go. And you know the way we were led down a, a path with high carb diets and so on, and it was only when I shifted to that and started eating lots of nuts and lots of avocados and fat and all that kind of stuff that it did it change, and uh, I was shocked by that that I was losing weight, but yeah, it should it looked like I was eating potentially more calories because obviously there's more calories in fat program than than carbohydrates, so. That, that shocked me initially, but again, my wife got stuck at a certain point. And so when I got stuck at a certain point, then I was looking at diets. A friend of mine is a diabetic type one, and she was talking about how she, you know, the insulin, injecting insulin every day to, to deal with her carbohydrates that she was eating. So then I thought to myself, well, what's, what it is about carbohydrates that are, that are causing the problem? And looked out the window of my house one day and it was in March and there was no apples on the trees. And I just thought to myself, look, it's obvious that there's there's actually no carbs. If you look anywhere in, in March, there's no corn in the fields, there's no wheat in the fields. There's nothing, no berries, you know, there's no apples, there's no fruit. Um, literally, everything is bleak, you know, all that's available if you're a hunter-gatherer will be what you stored or hunting, you know, the meat that's out there and available in nature. So I started looking at diet from that point of view and I said, look at the combinations that I would would have been eating in autumn time and avoid those and separate them out. And, you know, I would heard that from dietitians as well, that you shouldn't be eating, you know, for because of the insulin response, you shouldn't be eating carbs and fats at the same time anyway. So I was looking for a kind of fundamental reason mm-hmm. for that. And the fundamental reason was that these foods exist only in autumn time. And it was only later, after a lot of research, a lot of time, did a lot of more pieces start coming together f- around the concept, which we can talk about as we go along, if you like, you know.
0: Super clean. And you know what? Yeah, that resonates powerfully. And I will admit uh, to the viewer here that we're going to pretty much agree with 100% of everything. But that's just the way it is. And it's not bias. It's because the nutritional science, the evolutionary science, human history and paleoanthropology, uh, yada, 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 everything kind of consolidates, triangulates to this view. So it's just correct. So I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Now you you actually, this discovery, you had gotten really fit doing kettlebells. You were doing really well, but you got down to 90 something kilograms or let's say 210, 220 pounds for the US folks. But then you hit a plateau and even though you were doing massive muscle work, you were kind of still a little bit chubby. You were surprised you weren't ripped with all your work. Yes. The breakthrough, though, and maybe describe that, is when you discovered what you just described, cutting out the autumnal foods and going more to a Ted Naiman style, shall we say, kind of lower carb, certainly, but also a little lower fat and probably relatively higher protein. Cutting out the autumnal foods is—that's what drove
1: your weight down big time. Yeah, so I mean, I'd been looking at bodybuilder diets and things like um, carb cycling and you know different mm. uh, different techniques. And what I just decided to try was let's just separate carbs and fats all together. You know, so I st- I started the day with uh, a high fat breakfast, so it might be eggs and bacon or eggs and avocado. I put seeds on it. I'd put you know load load the breakfast up, and then for lunch then it'd be more Ted, Ted name style, which would be your you know, protein and, say, some fibrous veg, colorful veg. Mm. And then in the even time, then I'd actually carb up. So I'd have leaner protein mm. again and some it could be rice. It could be root veg. It could be whatever. So just get some glycemic foods in as well at at, at that time, because I was going to be training and using using the glycogen and by doing that, uh, literally just melted off and it melted mm. off to the point where it, like the six pack started showing and that was shocking to me. I was actually, I remember at the time, just going around being giddy, uh, looking at going, this is working, you know? Mm-hmm. So then <clears throat> my wife saw what I was doing and she tried it herself. <clears throat> so she's training in the morning time. She was carving up for a breakfast, for a breakfast and then having the the, uh, the fattier stuff throughout the day. And she was doing the, the kind of three meals like that, keeping the carbs and fats separate. And she lost about the same percentage of, of body fat that mm-hmm. I did. And she got down to like 18% body fat, which is very low for you know oh, yeah. yeah and she was training she was in circuit training and she was always trying to get below 64 kg and she shifted down to like something like 54 kg 56 kg something like that and um she's you know it was just at that point then i kind of really was thinking to myself obviously there's something to this you know so just started researching different uh concepts like um, the Paleolithic Prescription by Stanley Boyd Eaton, who, mm-hmm. who, which I think is a fantastic book. It's from the 80s, and, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of people should read read that one. And uh, James V. Neal stuff as well, and a lot, uh, stuff about the, um, you know, the the fat gene essentially, that mm-hmm. certain people are susceptible to putting on body fat, and the people who are susceptible to putting on body fat tend to be more hyperphagic towards things like chocolate bars and and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking into that. And the the one thing I noticed about most of these diets that are out there is that they're snapshots. So it's a a static diet that you would have for the entire year, a year, essentially for the whole Mm. lifetime of the diet itself. So if you look at our food pyramid, our food pyramid is uh, heavy carb at the bottom. Okay, they've Mm -hmm. shifted, they've shifted (laughs) vegetables down to the very bottom, but still we have you know, seven bananas or something you can have, you know, if, if, you, mm-hmm. if you interpret it in a certain way, uh, you have all the cereals, potatoes, all at the bottom. And if you eat like that uh, 12 months of the year or your whole lifetime, you know, when where's are springing that in the food pyramid, mm-hmm. you know, so where's, you know, and so for me, it was like these diets are static. And if you look at uh, the ketogenic diet, which I think is a brilliant diet for people to, you know, to control their their insulin levels and, and get fat adapted and so on. But again, it's a snapshot diet because it's one way of, of eating. And I think that nature is totally dynamic. And yeah. I think that we should be looking at diet from that point of view. You know, in the summertime, maybe look at eating slightly different. In the autumn time, look at eating slightly different and so on. So I've been using that now recently in in bodybuilding. Actually, I never thought I'd be bodybuilding in my 40s, but I've, been, I've Competed in, <laughs> in on stage and uh, never thought I'd get into that condition. And what I've been doing is in, now at the moment I'm eating more autumnal. I'm actually eating some carbs and fats together to bulk up a little bit because I want to gain strength. And mm. come into the winter, I, I shift it and bring the carbs down more, mm. bring the fat up a little bit. And then in the summertime, it's more carbs and less fat. And I kind of shift it along and try track along with nature. Ah. And it just so happens that it times in perfectly with these natural bodybuilding competitions that happen every year in September, because by the end of summer, I should be in kind of top condition, you know. And of course, insulin, they
0: say for bodybuilding, you don't necessarily need loads of carb, but I mean, the insulin is anabolic, so, you know, a little more carb might not do too much harm.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. And for me, it's like, it's to go for towards the minimum of the recommended daily daily allowance rather than the maximum. The maximum is sixty five percent, which would which mm. would equate to what thirteen hundred calories in a two thousand calorie diet kind of thing. Mm. So I mean, to burn that off, you're talking about you know running a serious right running race. So most people who are sitting in the, in their offices, working on a computer, um, it's just way too much sugar for them to handle, and you know. We have sugar taxes, we have you know, all this stuff about sugar out there but people don't talk about how easily starch is converted into into glucose by the stomach. You know. So it is sugar at the end of the day.
0: Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and I think Dr. David Unman, a good friend of mine, has a great thing. He has teaspoons of sugar equivalent for potatoes, bread, everything else. And it really helps the man or woman in the street understand. So I have a few slices of bread. It's X teaspoons of sugar. It's glucose. It's sugar. Simple
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah. and and, and it makes a lot of sense, you know. And and Mm. like the glycemic index of some baked potatoes can be you know, higher than a soft drink or it can be, you know, even some cereals that the the number, if you do a search on the glycemic index, the number one entry in it is a cereal. I'm not going to say, <laughs> but it's like, I mean, these things are comparable to glucose in terms of how they affect your blood sugar. So, you know,
0: absolutely. And I mean, these cereals, these are refined grains, mechanically pulverized. So the speed of absorption is massive. Mm-hmm. The release of GIP hormone, I mean, they're kind of metabolic chaos fuels. And yet like you say they're at the base of the pyramid which makes no sense
1: no especially Mm. at the base of a pyramid that's static over over uh, you know your whole life yeah
0: and for i used to always joke about the office worker in his mid 40s or her mid 40s sitting and pushing a desk that's very different than an insulin sensitive 27 year old athlete i mean the latter athlete may very well be able to eat quite a bit of this modern grain yeah you know without
1: falling apart but a
0: middle-aged person.
1: It's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not just, you know, the way with with cereals, they're saying it's a 30, 40 gram serving. You know, people are eating <laughs> twice that, you know, being realistic. You know, I,
0: I love those key in the uh, recommended servings. And sometimes I look at things with sugar in them or refined carb. And I look and I say, Wow, the carb is quite low on that," and I'm surprised because I kind of know what the constituents are. And then I see it's per serving, and the serving is a joke. Mm. So the cereal bowls—I've done it, you've done it, mm. everyone's done it. Yeah, yeah. You pour a bowl of cereal based on instinct; it's four supposed servings.
1: Yes, exactly. Just yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of the cereals then have things like chocolate added in, and it's just the—you know—it's not a breakfast mm. cereal. That's a that's junk food, you know. It's it's dessert for breakfast, I think yeah. is what some people say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you were saying, four times what, you know, what's recommended on the side of the box, which is like 40 grams or something like that. Mm. And, you know, that's probably OK with, you know, not, well, not four times it, but, you know, you can, we can handle something with high fiber like oats, maybe things like that, that, you know, would give you a certain amount of, you know, uh, it would help you digesting the, the carbs a little slower but still it's a lot of sugar in the body and especially if you're eating carbs for breakfast carbs for lunch carbs for your elevens, and in the early afternoon you know and so on and like one of the things i've um developed i'm a software engineer by the way so my background is is computer science but so i'm always looking at numbers and um one of the things i noticed was that there's a certain number of unnatural foods that also match the signature of um acorns and autumnal foods. So I, I talk about acorns a lot um mm-hmm. on Twitter. And the reason I talk about acorns is because they we ate we ate them, okay? Human beings mm-hmm. ate them for thousands of years, long before farming. And they were an insurance policy. I mean, the Kelset ate them, the Native Americans ate them, they still eat them in Korea. You know, and mm. all ancient texts in Greece and Rome, they talk about how warriors used to eat them. And people think of them today as like a, a famine food or, or something like that. But a lot of acorns are almost edible um, without doing any sort of processing to them at all to leach the tannins out of them. But besides the fact that acorns can be quite edible and you can make flour out of them and do all sorts of stuff that we do today with, with grains and mixing butter into it and milk into it, um, they other foods that are available in autumn time can be mixed together. So Granny's apple tart is a good example of it like that. We have apples and nuts and pecan nuts and walnuts and all these different foods. Easy to combine together and to create that, you know, lovely recipes. Um, mm-hmm. And the, one of the best examples is trail mix, <clears throat> you know, a bit of dried fruit and some nuts. And if you eat, if you eat raisins or, and nuts separately, they'd be quite more more sati- satiating than eating the two together, you know. Mm. So I think there's something really interesting about the combination and there's been a lot of research you know about the combination in, in terms of testing on rodents but also recently with uh in Yale University with Dana Small had a uh, uh did a study on the valuation of carbs so human beings actually value carbs and fats more than any other combination um that you know and we actually would pay more for them and if you look at the a cinema is a good example of this people go in there You wouldn't go in and buy like a a big tub of dry popcorn with no flavoring on it. But yet we'll go in and spend ten quid on, you know, if you pour hot water on top of it. All of a sudden it becomes a different thing altogether and our our pupils dilate and we become this more more feral kind of a creature when it comes to eating the stuff, you know, and we throw in a bag of Maltesers in on top of it or we'll eat, you know, a bag of crisps with some chocolate as well, you know. Mm. So it's the combination for me is this killer. And if you look at what's front loaded in all the shops uh, everywhere, it's it's all about it. granola, you know, all of these things. You can list out a, a bunch of them. And the, f- the formula of the acorn essentially is 53 percent fat, 41 percent carb and six percent protein, right? And so it's mm-hmm. a low protein. The actual six percent protein is important as well. And Ted talks about, uh, you know, how low protein and high energy is a, is a problem. But if you can com- get that combination together, uh, I've written a, a little tool that will allow people to kind of put in the the, the food ratio in grams and it'll come up and show it show them how autumnal it is and I've put it like if you I've compared that with the USDA food database and literally the I've, I've put it in in terms of how approximate the f- foods match this formula and uh, literally there's only one natural food that matches that's human breast milk. Other than that, it's a, a, a list of 200, 200 uh, long list of junk foods. So from Danish pastries, pizza, fries, cheeseburgers, you know, you, you name it, uh, crisps, chocolate, granola, popcorn and butter, uh, all these different things that we we really value highly. So it kind of ties in with, with the research out there that we value this food and we're going to pay through the nose for it. And if you look at how shops have front loaded all this stuff in there as well, it all just kind of ties together. But I, I think that <clears throat> There's a fundamental reason why we go for that formula, and it's protective. It's a natural instinct. It's it's a, it goes back to our ev- evolution. And if you look at what we we value sugar, we value salt, we value certain flavorings, we value certain acids. You know things like mm. vitamin C. We know when it's we can taste it, and we know when it's in foods. Mm. And uh, I think the base of it all is like, if you think of like a a satiety pyramid or a a hyperphagia pyramid, carbs and fats are at the bottom of it. And they're like, it's like the filler. It's like the way we use bread today. So we use bread and mayonnaise to put put, um, meats on it, you know, on pizza, we put cheese on it in, you know, in donuts, we put jam into it. So it's sweet and savory, but we use a a base of carbs and fats together in it. Mm And so I think in the past we didn't have farming, we didn't have grains. We didn't have these high gluten kind of grains and things like that. But we did have this fall of a massive amount of of crops of acorns because, you know, Ireland was 100 percent forested. Parts of Europe were 100 percent forested post ice age when there wasn't a hu- huge amount of humans there to chop them all down and use them for making boats and so on. And the whole world was forested with with, with these things, these trees, you know, and they were Mm -hmm. basically the the foundation of society. And every autumn, the massive crop fell and they were used, they were ground up. They were used as flour Mm -hmm. and they were used to mix with fruits. They were used to mix with savory stuff. And the Native Americans did it until, you know, they were colonized over there. And the Celts used to do it. And I think this base formula is is like a um, a fundamental thing that we've used to help mm. us survive the, the following period, which is winter. And this is what we seek. We seek it because it was a survival advantage to gorge on it and put on a certain amount of weight for, you know, to mm. to as a, an insurance policy to get through the winter. But so it's more than just putting on body fat. right? So body fat is part of it. Body fat um, adds acts as a, you know, an insulation layer. People who swim, a little bit of body fat is no harm for them. Um, but also uh, as an energy backup supply. But the, the main reason I think is is to do with uh, brown adipose tissue or bat, you know, it's brown mm-hmm. uh, bat activation, essentially, because bat requires white fat, first of all, uh, white, the, the jiggly stuff. Uh, it needs to be browned, it can be browned, but we like human beings, they've discovered recently have this area around our necks and shoulders that can be activated. And, um, uh, you know, the brown brown tissue can be activated and that would act. If you think, think about where it is on the body, it's, you know, it's, a, a, it's at the top of the body. It's around the heart. It's around, you know, where we need to keep warm and human beings have naturally long hair. So it would have also acted as a, a, a thermal insulation blanket that has its own heating system. And then you have the white fat as well then on your body to keep you more insulated. So in order for brown fat to be activated, it has to you have to white fat first and you have to be browning a little bit of white fat and then activate it. And I think all those conditions happen from summer into autumn into winter in order for that to happen, because brown fat is activated not only by cold, which is probably mm-hmm. the number one for activating it so that you, you, you're not shivering anymore when you, you want to stay warm. But it also gets activated by high insulin, high leptin levels at the same time. And that only happens when carbs and fats are high in the diet. And so if you look at what happens in autumn time, it's browning white fat. And then the next period then is carbs decay, carbs go out of nature. Fat stays high because you still have fat animals that you're killing and eating. Mm-hmm. And you also have your own body fat to keep your leptin, le- leptin levels up. And at that point, then leptin is high. And that's really useful for activation of, of brown fat. So high leptin and uh, cold keeps your so you're, you're setting the pile, you're setting the, the you're building the the uh, the fat first, then you're activating it, and it lasts you through the winter and keeps you warm.
0: Exactly, keen and you're describing a perfect evolutionary machine that's been yeah. optimized for the very system which beget it or begat it or produced it. And just for people watching, so brown adipose tissue—it's actually, I think, it's brown because there's a lot of mitochondria. And there's a lot of uncoupled energy production. So the brown fat can run freewheeling and produce just heat, heat, kind of waste yes. energy. Yeah, yeah. So it's a perfect kind yeah. of emergency heat source, like a little nuclear heat source. And it's right in at the top of your spinal column and around the, the, crucial, the organs. crucial organs. Exactly. And like you say, the, the white adipose tissue, you've built up enough. Mm-hmm. It begets the brown fat and the leptin which is a hormone from white adipose tissue it raises if you have more stores Mm -hmm. so that's triggering the brown fat and the insulin has fallen away because the summer is gone and the autumn's gone yeah so now you're switched into winter survival mode but i love what you just said there in northern europe let's be honest in our evolution when you get into winter these carby fatty mixed foods and acorns, everything's gone. Mm-hmm. And you're left with animals who have been fattened from the very fr- same exactly, autumn. exactly. So now you've it's got a fat and protein source along with your brown fat and, exactly. and the cold to activate, yeah, to activate it. it and,
1: and evolution
0: is beautiful.
1: Yeah. And even <laughs> if, you think, if you think about I know, this is uh, probably going to, you know, <laughs> Um, if you think about men, right, who have pattern baldness, right, they they don't lose the hair around the, the crown, you know, so that comes down and, and covers the, the area, so it's just extra that thermal around the, the neck and shoulders, you know,
0: that's still useful. Whereas up on top, relatively, it's, it's hard, not so important. There's no
1: heat really lost out there because mm. it's bone and it's thick, and you know, used for head button.
0: Especially <laughs> in my case. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes so much sense. So some people look at evolutionary or evolutionary science, and they kind of make up connections. But this is all grounded exactly as you say, not just in evolutionary facts, but in the biochemistry and how
1: the body works as well. And it gets even better as well. If you go previous, before that, um, if you look at what what foods are available in the summertime, it's mostly fruit-based stuff. So hmm. it's less starchy stuff, it's more fruit. And the fruit stuff is obviously more higher, obviously, in, in fructose. And that actually keeps hmm. levels uh, down, right? So if you look at what's happening there, then it's potentially allowing the white fat to continue to build without activating the brown fat. And then all of a sudden, then these foods decay quickly, you know, like blackberries. They're only just gone now. 29th of September was the the cutoff date when you're supposed Mm. to eat those. Then you have acorns, which are starchy. And then you have other you know, grains, if if they were even available. I don't think they were, but if they Mm. were. And all of a sudden, then you have high insulin, high... Because fructose doesn't raise um, insulin levels either, right? Yes. And not to the same degree anyway. So Mm. now you have uh, this point where leptin was kept depressed. And then insulin pops up, excuse me for the mic, <laughs> and bang, you're in this situation where brown fat is, is browning, or white fat is browning, and then it can be activated by the cold afterwards. So I think all these conditions uh, occur in, in order, and it's this great kind of circannual cycle that, you know, we talk about circadian rhythms and things like that, but there's actually an annual cycle for human mm. beings as well. And I think that really needs to be analyzed. And this, that's what what the Don't Eat for Winter thing is really about. It's just we're living in this one kind of a static period which only lasts about a month or two in nature. And this is what we've honed in on with our modern uh, recipes. Everything, like everything.
0: And, and unsurprisingly, because the modern capitalist machine, in fairness, is built for profit. That's why corporates exist, yeah. why all businesses exist. And they will, of course, gravitate without knowing the biochemistry or, or a single iota, it what sells. you're describing. They'll, yeah. they'll gravitate towards what humans want, yeah. what they drive for. Yeah, but I love the fructose one because fructose doesn't spike insulin. Absolutely. Mm. But fructose in its action through the liver can promote insulin resistance, which uh, evolutionarily may have been a good thing because you're going to get more hyperinsulinemia, more of the beneficial building of fat. So fructose is going to do a great job if it's a month or two a year. Mm. But now it's all year round and that's the killer. And, you know, the irony, I think, Ian, is people say fruits are good, but a, the fruits in modernity have been bred for 100 years for, for sweetness. Yeah. In, again, in human capitalist competition, they've bred for sweetness. The next guy gets a sweeter apple, you got to get sweeter. So that's natural. Mm-hmm. So now they're super sweet, but now they're shipping them from all over the world, exactly. from climates exactly. where... Yeah, if, if your apples are gone in Ireland in mm. September, you can get apples in, in December. They travel, well, yeah, you know. they travel well, yeah. They with, travel well with a lot of, of by the way, yeah. use of uh, fossil fuels to fly
1: them and yes. ship them around the world. Yeah, so yeah. that's another whole story. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. We mm. have the world's harvest. So even if you looked at it from a natural food point of view, we have the world's harvest available to us uh, all year long, 24-7, 365. And it multiplies out then when you do things like press the apple and take the juice out of it and leave none of the flesh behind so even mm. even these ultra sweet apples would still have and there's another thing actually if you talk about the apple skin itself um that's a, there's a compound in apple skin i try, can't think of the name of it so they're going slipping from my mind at the moment i know what you're talking but is it, about though, yeah. but that actually um it actually assists with the brown fat development as well. So another autumnal mm. food that has, I'll think of the word, I'll think of the name in a, in a minute. Well, preparing but preparing for winter, again, the again, same phenomenon. The same phenomenon, yeah, exactly, mm. you know. And so we have this capability of developing brown fat around our neck and shoulders. We also have the ability to, well, some of us have the ability to get a, a tan in the summertime to mm. regulate our, you know, the absorption of light so that we can synthesize D3 and so on. So we are... Seasonal creatures; it can be dem- demonstrated that we're, we're programmed to respond to the seasons. Mm. So we're programmed to respond to the seasons. And if you look at what happens in autumn time, I think if you look at what in the animal kingdom, bears uh, are triggered in autumn time. To, there's a thing called Fat Bear Week in America. In you know where the yeah. bears, they, they have cameras on them and they watch them and see them putting on pounds every day. Like see so yeah. fa- Fat Bear Week in America, you have squirrels here, you have deers put on twenty to thirty percent body fat. Pigs in Spain, uh, pigs in Spain, <laughs> pigs in space, pigs in Spain. Um, Iberian pit pork is fed air corn, and some species actually develop uh, a layer of fat in their back called this is called fat back. It's not sophisticated or anything. Mm. It's a bit kind of uh, fat, delicious, I'd say. Fat shaming, you know, <laughs> but they develop a, you know inches thick, and it was a delicacy. And I, I guess it's because it's on their back, it's acting as an insulation blanket again. You know, it's the, it's, it's the roof of the the body, like. And so all, all of these animals are, have one thing in common, what they feed on essentially at that point in time in the year where it's like this is acorns, you know. And so that's why I kind of was focused in on, on acorns as kind of a mm. signature and looked at the macronutrient ratio of that. But again, they're also eating beech nuts. They're also eating mm. r- rowan berries. They're also eating blackberries and they're eating whatever is there. And,
0: and they are inherently gorging, I think they're gorging, is are have no,
1: They have no choice. They have no choice Um it's all obviously releasing chemicals in their brain, their bodies, same as human beings and we are mm. r- ruled by instinct. Like w- people think that we're mm. making we're making choices. But I mean, you know, a lot of the food manufacturers have slogans around the fact that you can't actually stop once you start, you know, and ser- you know, mm. and, and if you look at Christmas time and we get the tins of chocolates you know, you start at one, you can't stop at one. You, you're going to your second one and a third one. And you're over in your mammy's house or wherever. And <laughs> the tin of biscuits is there. You're having copious mm-hmm. amounts of tea and you're just shoveling in chocolates and biscuits mm. and crisps and so on. And literally, you're, you're after stuffing yourself from a Christmas dinner and still eating and, eating and eating and eating, you know. Just
0: a quick break to remind you that this podcast is only possible due to funding from David Bobbitt and the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity. For middle-aged people, it is imperative to find out your heart attack risk by getting a CT scan of the heart and your CAC score. The new IHDA.ie website has all the scan resources. Please support us by visiting and sharing widely. Knowing your score, you can take action to stop the disease process and save your own life. It can even be as simple as removing sugar, refined carbs and seed oils, i.e. processed food, from your diet. And now we return to the conversation. And, you know, it's not just food reward either because they don't have to be particularly sweet or palatable. They just need the macronutrient content or, or proportions. And that's actually enough. If you have a pile of dry bread there, you won't eat too much. No. but if you have a pile of dry bread with just butter, mm. no Why? particular crazy sweetening, you will eat, or at least I always did, a mountain of it. a mountain of it. Yeah. And uh, then you realize you're, you're quite shocked at how much you've eaten. And you look and you go, oh, my God, I, I eat you know, around eight slices. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's nearly half you, of it.
1: You, and you literally have to stop yourself,
0: you know. To, yeah, and yeah. if you don't stop yourself, you might eat ten. Yeah, yeah. That's an enormous amount. But that was on top of the dinner yes. I used to have at yeah. 6 p.m. This could be at yeah. 8 or 9 p.m. putting on toast with butter. Mm. I could eat maybe eight slices, ten slices. Mm-mm. And no wonder I was fat. Mm. But it wasn't because I was going after some super duper junk food
1: no, manufacturer problem no, 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 no. This yeah. is bread and butter. And we are unbelievably... Uh, a, a tune to it, and we can make mm. it like we can make it easy ourselves. And when you're making spuds at home, again, you're not going to, you know, the, the plain potato itself is not that palatable. But you try and cream it and of it, or, or, you know, it's, oh, it's a different. It. Different, mm. ke- different ball game.
0: And you know, you said earlier, Keen, the glycemic index. Yeah, I was kind of fascinated to look at some of those indices. And the baked potato is the worst, just mm. because of the biochemistry of when you bake a potato, mm. it's twice as bad as the boiled one. And then you've got these weird things that if you boil it. Cool it down and warm it up again. It's actually not that bad because mm. it's turned into resistant starch as mm. it cooled. Mm. But that's kind of a hack. it's a cheat, yeah. It's a, it's yeah, a hack, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But these things, and then white rice—something we never had in Northern Europe—and yeah. now we have not just masses of white or white rice, but we soak it in gravy and juices. Yes, exactly. Fats, yeah. And that's it. And mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I eat like when I'm doing training for competitions, I would eat white rice, but I'd eat it with like. Uh, breast breasted chicken or fish or something like that and have a few carrots, a few bits and pieces like yeah. that with it. And the white rice it's on like that is actually quite filling, you know. But mm-hmm. as soon if I had um, go to a Chinese or something like that and the sauce is in it, I, like the, the amount that they could eat and mm-hmm. they can't stop and they're still hungry after, like, you know, so it's it's triggering things in us. And like we know some of the hormones, we know the things that are in action mm-hmm. and we know the chemicals that are released into the brain, you know, and it's a, I think it's a fundamental part of us that we we understand, our bodies understand uh, that winter is coming and we have no choice in the matter. And that's why people are, you know, they eat one bag of crisps and they have a six pack out, and, out in the press in the kitchen mm. and they can't get their minds off of it. They'll go out and eat another bag and then go out and get another bag. And it's just mm. there's no choice in the matter. You can't, out, you know, you can't outwit the the instinct you know it's
0: too powerful and another just a a kind of parallel with that i remember i think it was robert lustig who said that you know to get obese over 20 years you only need around 30 calories per day approximately excess there's no way we can control what we eat to plus or minus 20 or 30 calories not even hundreds Mm. could we control Mm. so we need to let our bodies automatically control it because it's like a guidance system in an aircraft no human's going to be able to do compared to the electronics. Yes. But if you eat all these foods all the time, your guidance system is shot. Yeah. And now you're left with trying to control it directly by stick
1: yourself, which is impossible. It's impossible. Yes. Yeah. So I so think if you go on a calorie restriction diet and mm. you, you keep eating those same foods, it's going to be torture. And that yeah. was the case for me uh, in the past, you know, and me when I lost weight in my 20s mm. and then after that, I got very fat for the
0: next 20 years. I never even could do it again. Yeah. But I did a bet and it was a large money bet and I excruciatingly went through what you described. I just reduced calories and it was horrifying. Mm. I remember I used to dream about food. I used to go into work and all I could think of was food and I'd focus on work. Don't think about food and I was doing a calorie reduced diet. I lost all the weight. And of course, after celebrating a 32 inch waist, everyone thought it was fantastic. A Year later, I'm back being fat again. I didn't even know how it happened, yeah, but we know now how it happened,
1: yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that was my experience as well like, mm-hmm. uh, that it's just torture essentially, these calorie restric- restricted diets. And there's a lot of things like clubs out there where people are getting weigh ins and, and that kind of thing. And the foods that they're recommended to eat it can be even processed foods that you know that are, that are branded or whatever, and they just have the same signature again, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the signature of carbs the fats you know some of them are low fat some of them are you know and mm. and it's just it just makes it difficult you know and you spoke as well keen at the start of our conversation and I, i'm remembering something i forgot there
0: earlier on so you were when you were young quite plump mm. and i mean that probably shows the genetic predisposition maybe when you were young you weren't eating that badly but the plumpness showed your potential mm. and what really annoys me I mean, a lot of things annoy me. What really annoys me is the industry and the industry and academia bodies like ILSI, the um, International Life Sciences Institute, where they join up Danone Coca-Cola and all these directors with professors from all over the world to help with nutrition. They are taking advantage of saying, oh, well, it's genetics. Mm. They're blaming genetics. And it's a terrible half truth. Yes, certain people are genetically predisposed towards falling into this trap. And some people are not and they don't put on much weight in spite of this. But genetics was never the reason for the problem. The reason Mm. is what you describe. Genetics don't change. Maybe in 15,000 years you'll get a genetic shift, Mm. but in 30, 40 years, Everyone suddenly got lazy and gluttonous no, and it's slothful. Not, it's, it's, it's so not, obviously not true. No, it's, it's just
1: not genetics. The environment has changed dramatically. Like, you know, mm. and it's become this obesogenic junk food environment where, you know, you have cha- there's chains now in my, in Waterford Like You know, it's a small town mm. in Ireland, or a small city in Ireland. And I'd be killed for saying it's a small town. You're in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. But no, it's I mean, the chain foods are there and they weren't there when I was a kid. You know, they, mm. weren't, they literally weren't there. You couldn't get. You know, and and so that's changed dramatically, and um, so people haven't changed. That's that's the key thing that pe- pe- you know. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I was predisposed to putting on a bit of body fat, but I now think that getting the ability to put on fat is actually a talent. It's a talent like everything else. And uh, those who can get fat can actually put on a little bit of muscle quicker as well. So there's a you know there's mm. there's an advantage to it if you're doing strength training and things like that to be able to put on a, a bit of of bulk. Mm. So it's just about getting the diet right. I, I think the, the major problem is the fact that we're living in this kind of stasis, uh, this autumnal stasis, and we need to shift our diet and think more dynamically about diet. So my my solution is just to separate carbs and fats altogether. But by, mm. by having carbs in one meal a day, and controlling the amount of carbs that I eat to uh, a, a certain amount and good and, carbs and good carbs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, exactly. And then in, f- uh, when I have my, my breakfast and other meals and getting the oils and I'm getting the good omega trees and things like that and a bit of salmon or whatever. Mm. And so separating them out like that and controlling macros. Um, as well as as everything, but I could ha- I could eat the same macros as somebody else who's on a, the standard diet, but I'm, by keeping them separate, I'm kept completely satiated. So I'm never snacking. I don't, I don't even think about food. Whereas before, I was always you know food was always there when when I'm having my eleven o'clock. Because if I had the cereal for breakfast, I'm hungry by eleven o'clock. Now by having the bit of eggs in the morning. I don't get hungry at all and I have to actually think about oh, I better get some lunch now because it's two o'clock in the day, you know, and I haven't, you know, I'm in the middle of work and and I think that if you have a sedentary job, it's a good way of working because if, you, if you've if you loaded a bit of glycogen the night before and you've done your training and, and it's in the muscle and it's in your liver and whatever, the next day then if you have fat for breakfast, you know, you're you're basically keeping your blood sugar stable and a bit of protein as well. to keep it stable, 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 stable and I'm only having a little bit of a, a spike when I'm going training, and that's to have replenishment there essentially, that I can mm. I have glycogen in the muscles, so I could train for you know forty-five minutes probably without even eating food. But mm. to replenish is is why I'm eating it essentially to refill the stores. And I probably am quite fat adapted because the cars are relatively precise, you know. Mm. And I lift weight and do a bit of cardio. And I think one of the most important things though is for people is to use the what they've they've the strength they get in the gym and the and the cardio fitness fitness to get outside because you know people are going from the office uh, into the car they're commuting and then they're going to a gym where it's indoors and there might be in a spinning class inside in a closed room with lots Mm. of you know and it's to get get outside like we have to start just thinking about getting outside more you know
0: Oh, I agree totally. We're starved of light essentially, and even with inside the glass, if you're near a window in an office, very interesting hypothesis papers from teams in America. The UVA comes through the glass, but the UVB that gives vitamin D and many other photo products doesn't. Yeah. So you're getting light all day, and you think you're getting light, but you're missing whole
1: spectra. Yeah. Which is the skin doesn't react when you're inside a window. You don't get a tan, you know, or anything like that. So you can, you, yeah, you're not getting yeah obviously not getting the vitamin D because. And that's your skin just vitamin, is not adjusting you know yeah and that's yeah, just vitamin sorry. d and there's other photo products i'm not even sure what they do but you yeah. can be sure
0: evolution had a reason to make them you're missing out on those as well we don't even know what they do and then in your eyes and your pineal gland you're missing out on all this circadian signaling so it sounds like woo to say oh in an office is bad light but let's be realistic about it the science is there it's just no one cares because our modern world doesn't care about anything that, that doesn't have some kind of profit motive attached to it. Mm. There's no interest. Yeah, there's either yeah. a cure that's part of the business of curing or there's a product. If it's outside of that and it's to do with boring old evolution, it's be, it's not just ignored, actually. It's usually ridiculed in a very clever way, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with you, you know. Mm. So the, that's it. There has to be money and something to, for it to become mainstream. I guess, you know, that's the, the you know yeah Uh, it's just business just business business. but what you were saying about the the formula of you know the mixing the potatoes and mixing the the cream Mm. in it or noodles with soup or with uh gravy and and things like that that Mm. form we're actually really good at finding that ourselves you don't we don't Mm -hmm. need manufacturers to find that we're well able to make tarts at home and mixing the river and butter into the, the pastry and mix the sugar in you know even to make toffee apples at halloween which is not too far away Mix a bit of sugar and butter together. Mm. You wouldn't eat a bowl of sugar directly, like you know. Nobody really does that. I know made, there are probably some that they would, okay. And nobody, nobody would eat a raw stick of butter. Again, there probably are a few, but mm. you know, they're they're few and far between, I guess. But mix the two together. All you got to do Boom. is heat the heat the the saturated fat a bit, and then mix in the sugar, and bang, you have toffee. You know. So it's the com- that combination is key, and it's not just sweet; it's also the savory part of it as well, you know, and we're really good at finding that, you know, that's what I've seen that we're really, and that's why all these junk foods then that are out there and all the pastries and all these things almost exactly match this, this that mm. macronutrient ratio. It's like 50% fat, 40% carb and 6% protein. And I think the 6% protein is quite important because it's like we've tantalized there. Uh, our bodies know that we're getting a bit of protein, but not enough. And, you know, it's like a control system that's hunting. Yes. You know, yeah. it
0: controls, it's, it's hunting, it's seeing the 6 or 8% protein. It knows it needs more. So I need to but eat double. But it's going to overshoot. Yeah, I need it's to eat double. overshoot. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very clever. And industry is very clever. And in fairness, i got to say, hand it to them. Uh, I mean, they've also got the bliss point, which is largely what you're referring to. It's the fat-sugar combo yeah. Yeah. with a bit of protein. But also they'll add in flavors that yes. you also mentioned. Yes. Yes. And the flavours will enhance it further mm. to make it the maximum obesogenic potential. Yeah, yeah. And that is the best product. Let's be honest. That is the best product that best fits a successful business. Yeah and, and
1: is the worst for humans. Yeah, and you, it, is. it doesn't have to be like this, mm. you know, an evil concoction. It will be found, you know. But yeah. it will be found because if that's what we like the most and that's what oh, we yeah. go for, it's natural. So oh, you what? know. So, yeah, it, so they've, they've just found it by feedback, market feedback. So if it makes the most money, they're gonna just keep making it and make it better and better mm-hmm. until and that's why they're always doing these little taste tests as well to see mm-hmm. is something you know something better than it was before, sell and we, more.
0: And we all find it, like you say, we do it at home. I mean, I yeah. was like a pig finding truffles for twenty years. I would yeah. root out those combinations. I mean, whether it's wine, which is alcohol, which if you add that in, you got more calories and also self resolve falls when you have a couple of glasses of wine. But you add in wine with Chinese piles of white rice soaked mm. in, in sauces and juices with fatty duck meat, yeah. and you put it all together. It made me hungry. It's huh? a, yeah, I'm <laughs> salivating here. I'm going to have to get a handkerchief. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredibly simple in some ways. And I think something you've done, Keen, which is fantastic, is you've taken a load of complexity and science. And in fairness, you're going through it here and you're making it simple for the audience, which is what I love, uh, but when you make it simple, the brown fat, the white fat, the whole seasons, the circadian rhythms and and the combined macros, it's actually not too complex a picture for people to get if they only internalize this and then separate out and eat an egg, multiple egg dish like I have for breakfast Mm. or eat a fatty steak, Mm -hmm. you know, or a big fatty fish meal with low carb and then maybe take their carb later, possibly in the day and have some potatoes without too much fat they can kind of have their cake and eat it with a bit of knowledge.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm. So you're getting a full like that's the thing. I mean, some diets are quite restrictive and, you know, not people aren't ready for for certain types of diets, you know, and Mm. they're not going to accept them. The masses aren't going to accept it. But if you can still have your few potatoes, you still have a bit of rice and you can have your fatty kind of meats as well and have them, you know, and have all the fibrous veg Mm. that they're used to and get and like, I mean, there's a lot of goodness to some of the, the, the high GI veg, I guess, like carrots and things like that. They, aren't, they haven't got a massive glo- load of, of carbs in them, but mm. they're quite sweet. You know, they will be considered um you know, sugary food. I guess it's some. You know, it's some. But get. But you can have a big plate of those and have them with something. You know, like a piece of fish or something like that. And ha- have your colorful veg. Have your peppers. Have your mushrooms. Have your onions. Have you know the greens and and all this. Stuff. And you can have these wonderful kind of foods. And I find that if if you actually keep the car- the, the main thing for me is with, with, when you combine the carbs and fats together. Right, what happens is your brain goes into a different mode. You, you turn into. An animal, essentially, right? And I don't mean that in, a, in an insulting way for people, but you become more feral, right? So you will hunt your presses for for foods. Like if if there's a bit of peanut butter and jam, you'll mix it together and you'll you'll eat ten of those sandwiches, you know, go, you know, in the night time or the evening time. And it shuts off everything else that you it shuts off. Like basically, if you're in that auto mode, it's, it's a noise, a noise in your brain, and mm. it's, that noise can't be overridden by anything else. So you'll actually be put off things like meat or be put off things like fish. Because all you want is the the sugar and the carbs and the fat and this the you know the to save, the to save, these mixes, so by by just shifting that off and shifting it get, getting it out of the diet for a little while the different parts of your brain comes on that come, turn on and you start actually wanting the other types of food and you'll actually start seeking out nutrition then rather than seeking out yeah. um energy and when you start seeking it, then you'll know then like that one day I'm in the mood for salmon and your body is craving maybe. The, the oils in it, or the protein, or whatever. And other days, then you want a bit of steak. Maybe you're craving some vitamin B or something like that. And mm-hmm. you know, and or some of the B vitamins. And then, so your your brain actually, your body knows I want to eat uh, certain nutrients. And you know, that's more acute in women who are you know pregnant. They can, yeah. you know, that that noise overrides because the the body development inside them needs this, these nutrients, so they will seek it out, you know, pick a line as an ice cream kind of thing. But, <laughs> you know, we have that ability. It's just overridden by the the modern diet, I think, because all, the the siren of autumn is so loud, we can't mm-hmm. hear the subtle kind of call for nutrition, you know.
0: I love that. I love that. The siren of autumn is so loud and we've created a perpetual autumn. So the siren is on all the time. Yeah. So what hope do people have bar, as I said, to internalize this, understand the trick. I mean, there's a trick played by evolution and the trick has been massively exploited by industry.
1: But if you understand it, you may be able to sidestep it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think when you become aware of it, then Mm. and it took me a long, long time to wake the F up, you know, I really did. Um, and when, you, when you're awake to it, then you'll see like when you, when you go into these shops, how we're being, being exploited, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's not the fault of anybody. People have to make a living and, you know, mm-hmm. but we have now got like 24 hour drive through donut shops and 24 hour drive through fast food places. You know, mm-hmm. there's is there a need for that type of thing in, in society? I don't know, you know, and isn't it interesting,
0: Keen, how does all these efforts on obesity and all these panels. And then we're told, of course, absurdities like meat causes cancer yeah. or meat causes diabetes. Not meat. It's yeah. meat, meat and processed, meat. It's, uh, always meat, and processed and meat. it's
1: always and processed meat.
0: Yeah. You know? And like a saturated fat and trans fats where yeah. they put a natural component of human evolutionary foods in with a man-made false yes. fat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you'd never heard together. him
1: saying like yeah. fruit and cake, you know, because fr- cake is processed or jam, you know what I mean? mean it, fruit it, and jam, exactly. You know.
0: That's exactly it. It's and always meat and processed meat. Yeah. Uh, just swinging around to one other aspect of what you were talking about. All of the obesogenic diets for rats and mice that they call high fat diets. I never tire of poking fun at this. It's a disgrace. The high fat diets are actually high sugar, high fat, obesogenic diets with lots of
1: seed oils or modern vegetable yes, oils. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're the perfect mapping of the modern.
1: Uh, yes, diet this cafeteria type style diet you know yeah. and if you look at the studies done on and they're showing like that after 60 percent fat the, the the it's not as obese, obesogenic yeah. so the 60 percent fat with rats seems to be a kind of a, a, a sweet spot for them fat spot for them but yeah. do you know what i'm saying that that's 60 but what's the other 40 percent? it's not it's not 40 percent protein do you know what i mean it's oh no they're low know?
0: they're low protein and they're high carb high sugar high fat so i think from memory the equivalent for mice in one of the diets very typical was the equivalent in a human of 25 teaspoons of sugar.
1: Mm.
0: And then there was another 30 percent maltodextrin or or carb, very refined. And then the rest is fat, of which a big chunk was seed oils.
1: Yes. You know, soy oil or something extracted chemically like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And
0: those omega six heavy oils are in in themselves been shown to have obesogenic nature. So you've made a perfect obesogenic diet, which maps perfectly the modern human diet and then you have some a-hole saying oh it's genetics it's it's quite infuriating when you think about it Yeah, yeah. and if you look
1: at genetics plays a part but more and more mm, people these days are succumbing to the you know, being overweight. I mean, look at look at the, the There wouldn't be industries out there for, uh, you know, for personal trainers and for large diet organizations and things like that if there wasn't a major problem. And the problem is mm. getting worse and worse. And the reason mm. the problem is getting worse and worse is not because humans have changed; it's because the environment has changed. And mm. it's changed. You know, it's you don't have to look very far to see. You know, we've all these petrol stations p- appearing on motorways, and every single one of them, you can go in and get a big sugary latte if you want. Uh, mm-hmm. you can get your big rolls full of you know sauces mm-hmm. and and so on you have fast food in there you have the you know the sugary you know everything is in there front loaded with you know everything and i if you try and find a piece of fruit in there you know try and yeah. p- find a p- uh, and a piece of meat in there do you know what i mean you, I, i've mm-hmm. often gone in there and the only thing i can get on the way i eat is a packet of chicken and um Maybe some berries if you're lucky during the summertime or something, you know, you know, well, yeah, but but if you're lucky, you know,
0: and in a garage or gas station, yeah, what I would get actually is offers on cheese slices, Mm. just standard Irish cheese two for, say, four euro, and literally just pick up a couple of packets of cheese and just eat them while driving if I have a lunch on the run. Because you're right, most of the shop is out of bounds. And even the fruits that are there are the modern bread for sugar fruits anyway. yeah, yeah, They're still not too bad if eaten with the skins and the fiber. That attenuates the glucose rise. But it's not ideal. And when we think of fat people or people who are very overweight, one thing I work for Irish Heart Disease Awareness, IHDA.ie, And of course we promote the calcium scan and the interesting thing about obesity is uh, as per professor lustig's work and data we've got actually more people who are insulin resistant with metabolic distress who are not obese than we have people who are obese so there's 20 percent say obese Mm. and a big proportion of them are metabolically in serious trouble yeah but then we have the other 60 70 80 percent of people who are not obese and maybe 30 or 40 percent of them are insulin resistant. Mm. So we actually nearly have more people who are non obese mm. who are at
1: risk of heart attacks and all the modern chronic diseases because their body just can't handle that. You know, that type mm. of food, they just can't handle it. They're, you know, they, they get a bit of a bit fat and then it's that they can't get any fatter. And then all of a sudden then boom. That's you know? it.
0: And I think it was Dr. Ron Rosedale said, what, um, oh, diabetes is the price you pay for not being able to get fatter. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, those people genetically, I guess, they're not as quick to put on the white adipose tissue. Yeah,
1: probably enough, know. enough to just get by, you know, and mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't need it to spill over, I guess, you know, they didn't, maybe it wasn't yeah. as cold or something or, they yeah. found it, you know, better skins or whatever way they, they adapted to nature, you know, but and, I mean, everyone should have some form of that, it's a long kind of a, a, a distribution curve. Will be there'll be somewhere along it. There'll be people on one side or the other, and then mm. the people who can get very, very heavy in the middle. You know, like Simones and there's certain populations that get enormous,
0: and some of them stay insulin sensitive yeah. while they get pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But then again, that's just human variation. But it's the toxic environment that wherever, whatever people you get or whatever genetic predisposition. It doesn't matter. Put them in this environment and they'll either get very overweight and obese yeah. or they'll get not so fat, but they'll it's burn sick. up inside yeah. with metabolic illness.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's not, it's not mm-hmm. natural for anybody, you know, and mm-hmm. especially as you said, but it's not just these natural combinations that are available in all our dinners and, and, and meals and that, but also this, you know, the seed oils and the high fructose corn syrup, which is, you know, Frankenstein sugar and mm-hmm. and so on. You know, I mean, before years ago, they used to put apple juice into soda, you know, to give it that fructose kind of profile. But now it's replaced with this cheaper version of it. That's, you know, chem- it's made in a lab, essentially. It's arguably worse. And yeah. then we have all the other
0: examples which prove your very point. Uh, we have papers from the early 1900s from agricultural groups who published and they had the optimized foods to fatten pigs: skimmed milk and and grains, mm, mm. and that was the that was the sweet point, you know, kind of low fat but with fat in there and grains mm. uh, to fatten pigs. Yeah, and yeah, then we yeah. get surprised now when we fatten the human population, mm. you know, kind of yeah. crazy. I know, yeah. Yep. So, Keen, what would you take as your top few tips then? Um, and you kind of have touched on them, but mm. just to kind of roll it up based on your experience, the extensive research you've done and of course the content of your book, but summarize down to a few key points for let's say someone who's a little overweight already and who's beginning the journey to fix this problem we're talking about. So I suppose a series of steps to take tips and tricks. Yeah, well the
1: one thing I'd say is you can't out train it in the gym or you can't out train it on the road and you you know that's one of my biggest bugbears is you see people in the gym for two or three years and their body shape doesn't change at all. It might even get worse sometimes, you know. So the gym is and get exercise is critically important for well-being. So getting outside, doing the little bit of cardio. Weight training is the num- number one thing I think for it creates, first of all, a glycogen sink, but you're also getting stronger and healthier for for general life. Um, so, But the diet is the n- number one thing. So the first thing people should do is just start switching in whole foods into their diet as much as possible. So Cut out the junk and start trying to eat natural versions of what they're currently eating. They can't do everything overnight. You know, if you make a big, massive change, it's probably just going to become unsustainable and then you're just going to give up. So I would say make a small change, first of all, and see how that goes. You know, so maybe it's about cutting carbs out of one meal a day and then see how that goes. And if if that makes a difference also look at things like adding sugar to things like tea and coffee and stuff like that and start cutting down on cutting down on the milk and and, and things, especially things like cappuccinos or lattes. And there's a lot of milk in those. And if you're having three or four of those a day, besides the the extra energy that you're getting in and this combination of carbs and fats again with the sugar and so on, there's also, you know, people are a lot of a lot of people are intolerant to milk, you know, and grains as well. So It's just shift, look at the paleolithic style diet, I would say, first of all, um, and see, does that do some of the foods in that suit, but be careful of the carbon fat combos, because, you know, that's one of the things I noticed when we were, when I was in that mode is we were making things like these paleo energy balls and protein balls, and they're a mix essentially of things like dates. Honey, oats, nuts, and that—not oats, but um, nuts and things like that.
0: And you mentioned smoothies as well, things that are technically okay ingredients. Yeah, and you can be mixed. having
1: organic uh, peanut butter, and you can be having re- you know really good oats and stuff. But it's mm. still that combination that that I'm, the reason I liked it is because it was hitting that formula, which I didn't know mm. at the time. But these paleo balls, uh, energy balls—they're made from like. Uh, dates, you know, raisins, honey, things like that, and they're mixed up with nuts. So, mm. like, that's exactly what a squirrel would love to get his hands on. In, to in, fatness said squirrel up exactly. Mm. So they are energy balls, but you know, if you're not doing a 15 mile hike, think about the better foods for for training. I know, I know that's might sound a bit condescending, but it's it's real, like, you know. Um. So, so diet is number one, and separating carbs and fats is the, is the thing for me. That if you keep those separate. You'll start hearing what the body needs in terms of nutrition. So, up the protein, um, keep carbs and fat separate, and look at whole foods. That's the kind of main thing for diet. Mm. And then when it comes to training, then training should be a few sessions of resistance training a week. can be body weight, it could be at home, it could be in the gym, whatever you prefer. It could be a circle training class with a, a personal tra- or with a, tra- a group trainer and so on. But just get out and, and, and do something, you know, because especially if you have a sedentary job, if you're work, working in a cafe or, you know, manual labor, it's not such a big deal. But if you're a sedentary job, you have to get out for that hour in the evening and just do something, just even to meet people and, and get out there. And, and in the light as well. And in the light as well. Mm. And then I would say, like, especially in the winter in Ireland, get out on the weekends somehow, you know, and even mm-hmm. if you can during lunchtime or coffee break during the day, just get outside and get a little bit of light on the skin, you know, mm. Yeah. Very
0: good summary. And and that was technically you mentioned at the end, it was kind of for Irish people, but it, it's also for people in the US and all over the world. It's Absolute, the same advice. Same advice. And yeah. people who are closer to the equator are lucky as they can get really good light and all, but up north it's a little more difficult. Yeah. But no, I think that's basically it. And I, I think just another thing is You know if you are particularly insulin resistant and obese that as well as everything you said if you keep the average carb down lower it probably makes sense or maybe keto will help with appetite but i agree for most people who only have a medium-sized problem you know, what you said there is, is really the core of it, I think. Yeah, and it's I think the, so
1: people are, have so much carbon in their diet these days that, it's, it, you know, any sort of reduction is the, is the thing, you know, because the carb is the number one food that raises, uh, it has this massive spike in September and October in nature. Yeah, but, you know. Insulin up and left and yeah. up like but this. we're never even exposed to cold so you know all this bat bat activation just doesn't happen you know no
0: so no light no cold no nothing just sitting on your ass and eating this crap combo yeah. of food yeah shocking yeah but we're gonna fix it uh excellent well that was great and just for everyone out there we're speaking from dublin ireland in my studio and uh going out all over the world but i just say to people Try and subscribe, share the podcast. You know, with these days it's hard to get out there and get this message, valuable message to everyone. And IHDA.ie website to visit and share for preventing heart attacks with the best technology. So listen, thanks a lot, Kane. Thanks, great I appreciate being asked. Thank you. <laughs> great meeting you here. <laughs> you too. For an arm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Good luck, guys.
0: Thanks for tuning in guys. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my subscribe button in the middle of the screen, a free viewing of the Widowmaker movie on the far right, and myself and Dr. Gerber's book, Eat Rich, Live Long, on the left. Otherwise, please do subscribe to the audio podcast. Thanks.